Tonight, we're seeing all over this nation, all cities and all parts of the country, indeed across the world, an outpouring of joy, of hope, renewed faith, and tomorrow, bring a better day. And I'm humbled by the trust and confidence you've placed in me. Hello, humans. Welcome to Trump Mortgages. This is episode 15 of Power Report. Joined with Bam. Yeah. Sean. Yeah, yo. And C's. And me, Dan, I am here as well. We're recording this on Saturday, the 7th of November, 2020. Uh, Information a lot of the outlets have called. As you can see, these folks just uh, shucking and jiving on camera here. Just ridiculous folks. I'm sorry. This is a professional stream. Uh, We are noticing that Trump or Joe Biden has just like come out on top and like winning the uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. What's the difference? I don't even know anymore. Joe Biden has been projected the winner of the presidential election. There's a lot to go into that and a lot to kind of happen and go around that. And there's a lot of reactions. This is already an attempt to spin the narrative in a certain direction. That is um, maddening. It's asinine. I'm going to go in. I am. Uh, but first, we got to really just kind of take stock of things that have been going on. We have spent the last like kind of past couple months on Power Report going into the end of the Trump administration with coronavirus, him catching coronavirus, all those things happening, civil unrest with uh, Black Lives Matter. We started the show with a, <laughs> a, a strike in Iran, and that seemed to be the least important thing that happened this year. But, I mean, it was just kind of a ridiculous set all around. And what I am wondering from people is, how are you just like, what are your thoughts kind of recuperating and understanding this moment as it is? Like, what are your like, thoughts understanding that, I guess, yeah, Biden's going to be the next president and really realizing that fact, like, we made it? Like, yeah, what are your thoughts? Sean? <laughs> you good? I mean, like... Yeah. I mean, it's just like, cool, we got rid of Trump. Woo-woo. Now we're back to a, norm- uh, no- a normal neoliberal day. I mean, right, but there's... <sighs> the-, the past four years have been a lot. They've been interesting. Is there any sort of, like, real... You know, I don't know. We started the stream with me seeing like the one I'm upset. I mean, like, I mean it, it's there. There's a lot of good to come out of it. It's more like relief out of anything. Um, just like Christ alive, good. I don't want to hear from that. Um, there's just a lot of things that we still need to fight for, and people still need to push and everything. They still need to like get out the voices and everything. But there is, you know, some hope in that regard. Um, it's always easier to push people left when they're center than you know fascist right so that's always a plus um but yeah it's just like relief and i can't wait to see him kick and scream getting on the white house i'm gonna sit down in dc with a bucket of popcorn and just watch it all happen i'm gonna have my binoculars on and just watch this the uh secret service have to like literally drag him out of there it's gonna be hilarious i'm thinking it like um, first of the month where they have to actually cut off his power and like the water in the white house <laughs> Exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's general hope and it just like exhausted from all of it too, just from the whole electionist and all the craziness that's going on. But there's still a lot to do, a lot to work. I mean, the good things of a Biden presidency is we're hopefully going to get back in the round deal. 
Um, that's going to be huge. Um, some other little things, some stuff with climate, um, some stuff that some of the deregulation hopefully start to get back. Paris the Climate Accord is another one. Um, hopefully some of the stuff with the consumer protection um, stuff will get back reinstated as well, hopefully. So there is some hope in that regard, but you still need to fight and fight as hard as you did now um, to get your ideas passed and stuff. But as always, as a leftist, it's always easier to get more leftist ideas from someone in the center than it is from a fascist right. So there's some hope for once. Also with COVID. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like any president would handle COVID significantly better than what is happening right now. Um, so yeah, even in Biden, especially Biden. Um, but I think we're going to have a better opportunity at some proper COVID relief. I mean, the reality, I'm not going to skip too far ahead here because we're kind of, I don't want to take stock of like the past four years and maybe a little bit of like what we realistically think are some of the more permanent damages of the Trump administration versus um, what are the things that might be able to be rolled back in the first couple of days. Like Paris Climate Agreement was one of the things that Biden said he'd do in like the first day he'd get in office. And so there's a lot of a first hundred day sort of um, promises happening already and going flying around. Um, but even before we get to that, there is the fact that in order to implement all of these things, you need more than just a blue presidency. You need the House, which the Democrats actually lost seats in. The majority of centers, I believe it's the thinnest it's been in 20 years or something like that I was reading. And um, in the Senate, it looks like we may not have enough seats. There's a Georgia runoff, I think it's going to be very interesting. Georgia itself ended up being very interesting this election cycle. But I don't know if that is going to be the like name of the game going forward. Basically, we're looking at a Joe Biden presidency um, and a Mitch McConnell Senate again. So uh, Mitch the Reaper. So like, as far as what can actually happen or get done, I'm still pretty much of a doomer on that. But um, I you know, Bam, you, you usually got thoughts. What are they? I usually got thoughts. Um... Yeah, similar to what Sean was saying. Like, I'm glad Trump is out of there whenever he does get out of there. Hopefully it's on January, whatever. Yeah, that's kind of the thing is that he's still like he's still saying that he's not going to really leave until all the votes are counted. There's illegal votes that are putting Joe Biden over the edge. Like he's he's butthurt and a lot of people seem like they're not gonna fall for it. But like that's the thing is I don't think it, I don't even feel the sense of relief and celebration that a lot of people have until he's actually out of there like post inauguration day. Yeah, me me either. And 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 honestly like it's not a celebration for me. Like I'm not I mean I'm not somebody that's like so invested in like the presidency um usually, but you know Donald Trump was, you know, he's exceptional. Um and he really needed to be out of there and I hope that whatever we have in America as far as democracy can improve. And I hope that, and, and like Sean was saying, like there's so much to fight for and it'll be like, I'm like, either way I'm going to be fighting if it's, if Trump got reelected or not, but um, I'd rather it not be Trump in there. Like regardless of what the like norm for America is, like the norm for America isn't, is not a president who has like armed militias that are loyal to him, you know, even obviously like there's always been armed militias in America, like these uh, white racist, crazy people, but they've never been loyal to the president. Um, and you know, that's something that's just like 
unacceptable. You know, people that, you know, the, the culture that Donald Trump has created is like, he's made it so like, there's a lot of people that think of the word left or liberal as like, you're a pedophile and an anarchist, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, that's just absolutely ridiculous. And like, we need to get away from that kind of narrative as much as possible. So I'm I'm excited to continue that work. And whatever, congratulations to Ho Biden. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot to go, go into with that. But Caesar, is there stuff you've got, like thoughts, feelings about this sort of culmination of things? Um, I think for me, uh, I know everybody kind of feels different about the presidency, but I think the last four years have kind of shown me how impactful presidency really is. Maybe even to a ter- maybe to even to a point where I actually underestimated how much it impacts us because maybe it's not necessary like necessary like inside of like politics. Maybe the power is different, but I think impact around the world. I, I come to realize how powerful Trump's presidency was. How when Trump came in, it brought like a sweeping wave of change around a bunch of nations in this world and a bunch of, you know, like, so I'm extremely happy. I'm very happy. I I am not happy because, oh, I'm some massive Biden fan. I'm happy because I hate Donald Trump. I literally hate this man. So seeing him leave is one of the brighter things in recent years for me. Um, So because... When you're somebody that brings that's brought so much toxicity and and horrific like ideals to the world as you know the leader of one of the most one of the largest countries in the planet and most powerful countries in the planet, you have to go like this has to go like this can't be the symbol of this country like it's already enough you know like it's already enough but this is too much like there's levels to this so seeing him go was good because all the discussion leading up to this was like. The narrative was like, he's going to win. He's going to win again. He will, That really bothered me a lot. Like, it bothered me that everybody had an assumption how how the America is. And I was happy to see that, you know, uh, uh, when the turnout showed you that, you know, people kind of felt differently. And, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't like it wasn't like the Democrats won on on uh, or the Democratic Party didn't win on on um, just electoral, like some electoral fugaziness, like. They got the electoral votes and they got the popular vote, like by a, a big margin. So there was definitely a lot of people who felt the same way kind of political reporters felt. And uh, I mean, we kind of nece- we didn't necessarily want Biden, but we had that discussion on this show, too, which is kind of cool to watch, too, chronologically, the discussion about the Biden winning over Bernie, how we all reacted to it. Then watching the debates, what happened to the debates, because it fell in line with what we talked about. <laughs> and then him winning was was good. So I I, I enjoyed seeing that. And. Of course, in typical manner, we saw Trump's response to everything. Like, literally, are we surprised? No, he started kicking around and screaming like a child who's who's throwing a tantrum, and it's probably going to go on for a while. Like Bam said, but I I, I going to be shocked if he leaves it for my birthday. To be honest, I'm like, wow, he actually dipped. He's probably going to be there hanging out February, watching the All Star Game and the Super Bowl from the White House. So we'll see. But regardless, though, he's not a president anymore, and that's what matters. I don't care. I don't even care if something happens after this. You're not the president anymore, buddy. Like you, you took that L. Like forever, you took that L. Yo, I actually don't know if Trump really wants to stay in the White House because he was complaining about it being gaudy and small and like not up to standards anyways. He's probably hoping to get out of Mar-a-Lago anyways. 
But like <laughs> he wants to find some new golf courses. He's over the putt range over there at the White House. <laughs> <laughs> tired of playing putt putt in the Oval Office. You know, I'm over it, dude. Using uh, Mike Pence as a barrier. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think there's a lot that resonates there because the past four, the past four years has been a lot of multiple narratives happening at once. I guess you could say where you have the narrative. You know, that was supposed to be the prevailing narrative of people are reporting and reporting and journalism is not perfect, of course, but we're trying to explain these issues that are going on and calling things as we see it. But you see the increased sort of degradation and a disregard of the media and its presence and its even um, truthfulness on basic things. Yeah, I think we could look back on the media and did they cover Trump in a sensational way? Yes, most broadly, the mainstream news media being like ABC, CBS um cnn msnbc yes of course they covered it in a very sensational way but donald trump was acting in a very sensational way i think a lot of people were learning as they went along how things were going and how to cover this presidency because it was very weird and very strange but i do think that a really damaging thing in this country that is not going to be remedied anytime soon is the fact that we're allowed there to be two parallel universes and multiple parallel universes with basic truth and sense. And to hide all of that, the, the fact that you're having this double speak sort of society within our politics, to hide it in, well, I'm free to think however I want to. And it's not about thinking whatever you want to. It's like, can we agree that the sky is blue? Can we agree like what the weather is going to be like right now? Like, can we agree on basic reality and then work from there? But we've allowed people to construct their own realities and call that opinion, to call that discourse. And a lot of people have made millions and millions of dollars off of that because Donald Trump and paying into the Donald Trump administration has paid dividends for the kind of people who do those kind of things. I, I guess the grift is good, sure, but I think a bubble is really bursting on, like you said, Caesar, those group of people who were certain, absolute, that Donald Trump was going to um, win again and it was going to be a blowout. I remember seeing Donald Trump Jr. Uh, tweeting out, uh, 270 to win maps that had California going red and like all these other like absolute dumb shit like calls and ridiculous things like it the, the truly that administration near the end of its days was getting lost in its own sauce for sure if it wasn't from day one but at the end of the day I am of course like we've said I'm powerful so it's not very um surprising it's all very clear and obvious like based on what we've done this year, where things were going to go. Um, and yeah, we were doubtful about Joe Biden's chances, absolutely, but coronavirus changed all that. Um, the mm -hmm. dynamics and Trump failing in ways I didn't even know he would fail before clearly changed all that, so much so that um, the margins were not as not nearly as high as any of the whiz kid pundits and pollsters thought it would be. We'll be getting to more of that later. Uh, later. Nate Silver is going to get a lot of smoke soon. But... Uh, we really got to see that the politics of um, while just like no chill, completely divorced from reality, uh, let's side with Steve Bannon, where we put uh, Anthony Fauci's head on a pike for going against the dear leader Donald Trump. Like, <laughs> we decided and, we're done with that. We decided no mas. Yeah, and Christopher Ray, the FBI. <laughs> Friend of the show, Christopher Ray, of course, from our um, <laughs> from the spo show. sponsors, the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Um, 
yeah, I, I think we'll be spending a lot of time over the next couple of weeks and months taking stock of the full kind of damage of the Trump administration, what might stay and what might not. Because there's so much stuff that got deregulated and cut and changed that like mm -hmm. it takes so much to build it back when you already have these headwinds um, of a government and a politics and a people who think the government is like the absolute enemy when governments like corporations, sometimes they're good, sometimes absolutely evil. Um, you need to fight against that narrative. After the win of Joe Biden and the um, kind of false prediction that the polls gave that it would be a blowout of the Democrats, they would um, take the presidency, they would take the House and even gain seats from the already existing majority, they would take the Senate, maybe 52 or 54 seats, and be able to actually finally break away from the like crypt keeper claw of Mitch McConnell. Um, very much of that did not happen. Nate Silver is currently on... Um, I wouldn't say suicide watch, but he's definitely might be, he might be one of those people who like ends up shooting people out on the street. Like I can imagine Nate Silver going coastal, like in that um, Michael Davis film, the, I forget the one, Falling Down, where he just like completely goes crazy and mental everywhere. Nate Silver is just like on one. He's, we'll get to it later, trust me. But the narrative that is trying to be put in place right now by prominent Democrats, by Republicans who became friends with Democrats because they wanted a career in a possible Joe Biden administration that has now become <laughs> fruitful. They are now saying that Joe Biden did everything he could. He did a great job. And he delivered. And it's the left and the issues of the left and the issues that mobilize the country in ways that have not been seen in generations. It's their fault that the Democrats didn't win anymore. Um, I don't know how much y'all have seen in this, and I can go into some of these, but I'll, I'll just say a top-level thing, um, because we don't have the full results in yet. Um, according to Politico, the most likely scenario for Democrats is a net loss of seats in the House of Representatives between 7 to 11 seats. The toll has prompted some tense discussions within Democratic um, caucus about its message, tactics, and leadership, with an internal race intensifying to succeed current DCC chair, Cherry Bustos, a uh, Democrat from Illinois. So... The criticism is certainly coming, but it very rarely goes inward with the Democratic Party. We know this. Um, but what do you think about what do y'all think about this initial sort of attempt to um, write history and say that the fact that the Democrats didn't do as well as they were suggested to doesn't suggest something like, oh, maybe the polls are bullshit or, oh, maybe the Democrats are running on a losing message. Nope, it's automatically the progressive's fault. They're the nearest scapegoat. It's, yeah, I mean, that's uh, absolutely Sorry, Sean, where are you going up in here? Sean, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say one uh, one thing that annoys me with that is Biden. There was always like predicted a landslide. He basically he won because people didn't want Trump. It really was a, a lot of it was anti-Trump vote. The entire so all of Joe, Joe Biden's rhetoric was like the I'm the anti-Trump. I'm against Trump. Exactly. I'm the not Trump message. That was all of his thing. He wasn't proposing any sort of policy. And, exactly, and he really didn't win by that big a margin that we was supposed to if pretty much anybody else ran on like some actual policy especially some actual left populist left policy it would have like wiped the floor with trump because look how horrible it was and how close it really was in certain states um so that whole rhetoric of that just pissed me off a bit especially with them always blaming the left but if you look at it who are the most popular um politicians in the united states it tends to be left left-leaning politicians bernie sanders aoc 
um, a few others. You have a bunch in the, that a lot of people are following, a lot of people are listening to. And that's where a lot, especially the younger generation, Gen Z and younger millennials, that's where they're going to lean towards. And the Democrats, especially the establishment Democrats, is too stuck up in their ass watching West Wing and too stuck up in the in early 90s politics that they think that anything, you know, left of center, anything remotely left is bad or that, oh, no, you have to reach across the aisle and that's the only way to do things and anything else is just not the right way. And they're like, no, that's not how that works now. You've already lost Hillary. You barely beat Trump now when basically a brick wall could have beat him, for Christ's sake. Um, there's just so much in there that they still don't know. They still aren't learning because they're losing this, their lost seats in the House. They lost, um, they're lost. they not going to uh, take control of the Senate. So those are right there. You see, oh, wow, you are not doing things that you need to do to get the votes and to get people in to truly have monumental change in this country because you're still staying into your little centrist bubbles of no change. And people don't want that. People want policy. People want change. People don't want robotic Pete Buttigieg saying some random stuff that literally doesn't make sense of just revolving sentences going over and over. That's just like, what is he even saying? So there's a lot that goes into it of that they're wrong. So and it does piss me off a lot because until we get change up to the establishment, until we get different people in power in charge of the DNC, it's not going to change for a long time. Bam, go in. Yeah, I mean, um, any any of the like centrist people that are trying to blame like the progressives or like anyone left of them for whatever races Democrats didn't win is ridiculous. But um, I want to push back a little bit on something Sean was saying because I don't think it's uh, always policy that wins. Um, Trump didn't win on policy; he just won on an attitude. I wonder what a lot of those Republican governors and mayors and stuff, you know, what's what's their rhetoric or what what are they like? I'm like well, I wonder what policies they're talking about when they win. I think a lot of times, like these, like places like Mississippi, for example, like it always goes red. But I I would imagine that's mostly because a lot of people don't vote and there's a lot of disenfranchisement. Um, like I'm not ex going back to the original thing. I'm not expecting anything from a centrist. Like they have their own agenda, which is like not mine. You know, they're corp. They're they're trying to get money from corporations. They're 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 like literal centrist. They're gonna you know have you know they'll be pro some things that I'm pro, but like they don't have my politics. And I think for the most part, they're probably just as against somebody with my politics as they are you know, someone like Mitch McConnell. So I don't have much faith in them, but you know, they get large platforms. They got millions of dollars. And I think like for someone like myself or us, like we're trying to, we're trying to push like those people too. Like we're trying to get like that, that centrist kind of like, which we feel is like bullshit narrative. Like we're trying to push that out too. Like we're trying to have a real uh, message and create a culture that is actually for the people and not just for getting corporate dollar or getting like federal contracts. Like, um, and I and I, I think like Dan, you had mentioned like the Lincoln Project and stuff. Like 
for me, like I don't even pay attention to stuff like that. If if it helped defeat Donald Trump, that's cool. But like Th- that's the thing is I'm I don't think it did. And that's the issue right now that's going on. Is well, that, I mean, not to cut you off, but like there's a narrative of like, did this stuff work? Did it actually really help? And I think it's very clear that it didn't, but that doesn't matter because there's this euphoria that we got rid of the Cheeto. And so the Democrats are the default team. And so we're saying that they went in there great. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it did. Like, I have no idea. You know, maybe it did or maybe it didn't. It For me, it doesn't matter because, like, my fight isn't their fight. You know, like, when I'm, you know, trying to build a culture that believes that the American people deserve uh, health care as a right, I know the Lincoln Project people are, like, against that. Well, so th- then um, you know, my point in this might be like you can have a discussion between you and Sean is that like, do are people receptive to policy? Because this ties into the conversation we had with um, Joe Biden versus Bernie Sanders, when it seems like people support Medicare for all. The um, exit polling in South Carolina during that fateful February showed that most people supported Medicare for all, even though most people voted for Joe Biden. And it's a good thing South Carolina black people pulled through for Joe Biden um, in the general oh, wait, they didn't because that state was going to go red the entire time anyways. Um, But it goes back to this conversation of, are you going to be... I believe, and I think it's not a far cry to believe, that you can talk policy to people, but first people have to trust you. They have to understand, they have to believe that you're not selling them some shit, you're not spending them. And so you have to prove that you're not going to be just another Democrat, which Joe Biden's not going to do. he can prove that he's not Trump. That's a bare minimum good thing. But as far as actually bringing something to the table, I think that's the barrier that's different. But like you had that fundamental disagreement with Sean about like whether policy talk works on people. Well, you know, it's I, I think on like a personal level, policy talk works. But when you're talking about like na- like na- big platforms, like national platforms, I don't know. I hate to think that. American people are dumb and aren't receptive to that. I, I hate to think that about how people talk about voters. It makes me sad, but they might be right. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I don't know if policy it, it, it depends because Obama did run a lot on policy too. You have a lot of presidential uh, candidates that ran on policy and have won in the past. Granted, did they actually do implement that policy? No, but there has been some that does it. I mean, but, Trump but did, did, did did run on like being a populist in regards so he did have some types of policy that was out there and people did vote for for in 2016 compared to hillary but, so but, but, it but was obama like a narrative but but was obama running on policy or, or was he running like i'm not bush you know there's a lot of that too like i'm not um, like, like I mean, people yes, were people, yes I mean, and no because everybody was saying um like his whole slogan was hope and change so his yeah, whole thing was all of that. But I know, but he would go into, I want to get people out of wars. That was one of his big things he was running on, too. And I heard a lot about it when I was growing up. I'm like, oh, cool. He wants to do that because of the disastrous Iraq war and stuff that Bush started. That was one of his big selling points of why he wanted to go um, <clears throat> and um, beat McCain and stuff. Oh, I want to go against that style of being a, war, a hawkish um, Republican. That's his main selling point. Obviously, he didn't do that. But I remember hearing that in a bunch, and that's what people were talking about when I was. I remember when I was pretty and young could, uh, listening to that stuff. So, but it, it yeah. I was going to say, Sean, just to jump in and provide some context that 
you compare that to Joe Biden, who's not really proposing things. You mentioned a climate, or like you talked about a debate, like what's your climate plan going to be? And it mentions the Biden plan, which is not like the Green New Deal. So it maybe involves mm-hmm. jobs, it maybe involves some spending, but clearly not as much and not as ambitious. Um, but it doesn't matter because they're calling the socialist for it anyways. And so Joe Biden has kind of picked the, he picked the route of not really defining himself or attaching himself too much to policy. If anything, when there were specific policies thrown his way, he would shush them aside because it goes back to this like stiff arm the progressives kind of narrative that's passing yes. on with the Democrats. So that's why I think there's that difference to be set there. Um, I find it really interesting that Obama and Biden went after largely controversial Republicans just came out of office. Um, obviously, we know the infamous rule, uh, the infamous time of George Bush. Obama comes in and we look at Obama as like this hope and savior from the dark times, you know, and someone that's going to uh, completely different. Oh, he brings so much to the table. Changes those change billboards were everywhere, man. Like no, you couldn't yeah. not see that Obama uh, uh, filter style anywhere. People posting Facebook pictures, <laughs> that style, you know, and then this time we come around and, you know, uh, it, it's instead of it being like pro Biden, this time it's like, F Trump, like that's what the yeah. movement was. It was F yeah. Trump. Like you could have put like a, literally a donkey there, and a donkey would have probably pulled in more bo- votes than Kanye did. So it's just really crazy that um, that's kind of the movement. So I think when I'm, I'm watching things and people are talking about, oh well, you know, this is this is um well we we should get credit for this too, and you know we're we're a big part of it. I mean, yeah, sure, but I mean, at the end of the day, the the uh, as we saw with these election results. You know, places that were largely Democratic originally pulled through regardless. Maricopa County, and they pulled up. They were mm-hmm. they've they've done eighty percent of Democrats dating back to Obama. You know, like he's been pulling eight to eighty eight percent over there all the time. Uh, um, me and Bam had a discussion ourselves off the show, like talking about how Georgia and 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 the, the because I was watching this report about rural versus metropolitan cities voting and how Georgia people were were surprised. I mean, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I'm like, well, I mean. I don't know. I've, I've just seen how the culture's been changing land over the years. Why would I be surprised that the metropolitan areas have a largely different opinion of who the president should be rather than the rural areas? And exactly, but that doesn't go in line with places like Mississippi, you know, where they don't have that issue. That doesn't go in line with places like maybe Northern Florida and some of those areas getting close to Alabama. Like that doesn't. Maybe they don't line up with that. But it, it's it's the. The simple fact that the voter turnout went up kind of really, to me, like is a tale, a tale like you got to see where more people voted, more more were impacting, and then more people voted in those swing states. In the swing states that were really important, the change happened. And to be also fair, when we saw him grab like, those lakes, the lake states, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, when he got those, I was like, damn, like this would be if, – if, if Trump was going to pull a comeback off that, I'd be like, what, where are these people been hiding? Because that's insane because – you get those three, you just need to lock up one. And no matter how long Nevada won, if one of the other ones flipped, those over. So it went from me talking to Ben about it being a close race to being completely like a, a much larger number. It was about to be one of the closest races of all time. And honestly, it's a lot bigger than, than uh, well, of course, it's close in those swing states. But I meant like overall, like Toro votes wise, the the disparity is a lot, a, lot, a lot larger than I expected it to be. I think disparity is also going to even out a little bit once like the electoral votes are fully tabulated because right now, like Biden was the first two to seventy, so his gap looks so big. Yeah, but eventually, like the, the states will flip for either Biden or Trump, and then Trump will make up some of his difference. But I, it, Biden's predicted to have anywhere between obviously like a two seventy, two seventy two, 
uh, delegate advantage all the way up to a 305 as the top end. But I think we'll probably see something in the um, late 200s in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of continuing off of some of the politico-ness, uh, it said, um, <laughs> the DCC is facing a litany of cr- criticism from its spending decisions to its Latino outreach to its polling. While healthcare again remained a central theme to down-ballot campaigns, Democratic outs- candidates and outside groups were yoking their GOP opponents to Trump in dozens of TV ads in districts from Texas to Illinois that the president will likely end up carrying. So again, even that's kind of the analysis right there, that there were candidates who decided to... I mean, th- there's the aspect of like Latino outreach and the issue with the fact that uh, Democrats lost vote, Like more people turned out to vote. But Donald Trump was also able to turn out more black voters, men and women, more Latino voters, men and women, um, to his fold as well, even though he's running as an outright white nationalist. But the fact that the Democrats also chose to, in many of these states where they're losing, in these places where they'll end up losing races, to pin themselves as not what the Democrats will offer people, but that we're not Trump, we're against the Trump party. We're against anyone that's favorable for Trump. Like, yes, you make that argument because ultimately these Republicans are cretins, but you have to offer people before they actually decide to vote for you. It's like these people don't even think about like um, interviews when you're like figuring out if you want to um, date a person because, of course, if I want to date someone, I go through like three rounds of interviews to weed out the wheat from the chaff, as anyone else would do. But like, it, it seems like there's no sort of idea from the Democratic Party on how to win trust from people. And it shows in how narrowly some of these races are. Because, like, yes, it's a narrow win. But why is it a narrow win against Donald Trump? Like, what the hell? That's ridiculous. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think that's ridiculous. In 1991, David Duke ran for governor of Louisiana. He got 55% of the white vote. 55%. Mm -hmm. White people vote Republican. Like, it don't matter. Like, and, and, and so kind of like going, like you're saying that the Democrats don't have, like, they're not talking about policy, what they can offer. Are the Republicans doing that? I, I don't think that they are. They're not talking about policy, like, but what they're offering is lower taxes, which may or may not be true. Owning the libs, which is definitely happening because liberals seem to like be concerned about people on a basic level and uh, owning the idea of concern for your fellow human being is, I guess, a factor that they can give to them. And it's not going to be tangible and it's not going to be great, but Trump can continue to offer things that would be popular, like coronavirus relief or um, any sort of other economic relief package. But of course, Donald Trump's going to let the chips fall wherever he may, not put any effort into doing that. And in a hypothetical administration, just say, hey, look, I'm trying to do the best I can, but even though I'm in power with a Republican state and a Republican House, and I'm doing everything I can, it looks like the evil Democrats, the deep state and QAnon, are making it so I can't take a dump in my own office. So if anyone can install a toilet and allow me to get some Diet Coke, then everything would be a Like, it's just, you, you have so, to offer so, something else, is kind of my point. So, but, but do you? Because so many people fall for that. Like so many people vote for Donald Trump and he offers nothing. What do you offer to what, that what, kind of what, person? And what do you offer to someone um, against that? Like, how would you even on an organizational level? Because it seemed like to some extent, I'm not going to get to the Stacey Abrams worship point just yet, but like there was a lot of votes turned out in Georgia because either you, you either convince people who would have been Democratic voters already to vote and when they wouldn't have already, or you turned a couple people over from Republican to Democrat. 
So it's definitely not by the type of demagoguery, because Democrats generally don't do that type of demagoguing um, going on when they talk about their candidates. It must have been about some tangible material thing. Uh, hopefully you have yeah. some idea about that. And, and that's the thing. Like, we don't know what's going on in every single state, like everything going on. Like, we're hearing like this general thing, but like, I don't know what they're talking about in, uh, you know, in Texas, like in Houston. Like, I, I don't know. Like, they could be offering tangibles that have to do with like that county, that state, when it comes to things that they actually care about in these places. Um, like, like for example, like Orange County in the 2018, like Flip Blue, and like this is one mm -hmm. of the most like conservative uh, counties in California, at least. Like, I, I'm sure that the people running were offering something in regards to policy. I don't, but I just don't know. But it's, but I don't, I don't think that there should be like this big responsibility on Democrats to do something that Republicans. It seems like they don't. Well, no, there like, absolutely is their responsibility because at the end of the day, you've got to win power, and they're not doing that. California, like Democrats, are about to lose seats in California, the, in the House. Those are about to go to Republicans. But, seats that but, they won in 2016, that, admittedly. But that means, even if I'm following your logic, there, they promised some stuff in 2016. They maybe got some out of it. Got to stave things off in 2018, and then in 2020 they didn't deliver, and now they're going to conservatives. So it seems like, I mean, I'm just doing a little bit of analysis here. I'm not in all these races, but it seems like based on my kind of cursory analysis, the Democrats are really fucking up. So I want to know, like, what do you do and, like, why do but, you reconcile this? But did the Democrats lose or did the Republicans win? And, the and Democrats it seems lost. Like Republicans, the Democrats lost. But, but, it seems, but it seems like Republicans win on fear, and it's much easier to scare people and act like everything bad's going to happen to you than to actually say, hey, you know, I'm here to offer you something real. But the person over here is like, no, these immigrants are coming. These Black Lives Matter people are going to come burn your county down and burn your house down. And they're going to raise your taxes and they're pedophiles and all this other stuff. It's easy to do that. So if if the Democrats could do that, I'm sure they would. But like they're not trying to get that type of person. They're trying to get people with some goddamn sense. And like the Republicans are just going for the lowest common denominator half the time. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, like, yes, you're right in that. But the fact that there is now this thing where we're going into the fact that, OK, the Republicans are going to play the fear card. Now, Democrats are correcting and saying, OK, we can't allow the Republicans to play the fear card. So Democrats on the left, shut up about your policy ideas, your policy proposals, your idea of abolishing ICE because immigration and customs enforcement is, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the one of the single biggest stains in American history and contemporary American history for what we're doing on human rights uses as far as human rights abuses go on the southern border. That is a complete disgrace and we are doing that. So to say abolish ICE is not a crazy sort of like out there talking point when ICE is only existence in the year 2000. But it's going to, of course, and like, I, to an extent, that was proven wrong because Abolish ISIS uses this like boogeyman and the, the conservatives tried to say like, look, the liberals are against immigration and all that stuff. But now you have a situation where, I mean, Joe Biden won, even though he's part of the administration where, um, reasonably part of the Obama administration that expanded a lot of the program, we ex the left was able to expand a lot of their possibilities and a lot of attention towards that by having that thing. So whether the left gets power or not, the liberals and the center of the party are going to try to tell the left, hey, shut up about your abolish, shut up about your defund the police stuff, because don't even allow people to have that kind of idea of imagination. Stay out of power, 
continue to let us hire Goldman Sachs executives to be in the cabinet because that's all we can do with Mitch McConnell because, hey, they're going to use fear and we're Democrats. We're weak as shit. We can't win any kind of fights and we'll do anything the Republicans tell us to do because we're fucking submissive little assholes who won't even take money for it. Like, I, I guess we're kind of folding over in that excuse, but like, I, I will appreciate that AOC made the point, like several points, that um, you can't blame progressives for these losses. Um, she noted that all the people who are running on uh, Green New Deal, Medicare for All, those Dem incumbents won re-election. A lot of the ones like Cori Bush, um, you have Jamal Bowman, who are also now in the race running on these really progressive things. So you can't, this argument that's being made by people like John Kasich, who is actually on CNN today mm -hmm. saying the left needs to just get off of the um, field that they lost the race. Frankly, the Democrats have to make it clear to the far left that they almost cost him this election. Another thing, one Democrat told me at some point, if they'd have been more clear in rejecting the hard left, they would have appealed more to Americans who I believe essentially live in the middle. And that congresswoman from Virginia warned the Democrats, you want to talk about defunding the police, you'll have no support. And I think this is an opportunity for Biden to talk about you know, the center right and the center left of this country and what can be achieved. Because we have enormous problems with debt, Social Security, Medicare, health care. Little steps, little steps. This is something that we need to fight right now. We need to fight viciously right now. Because if we don't and we allow them to like write the narrative of this election, then that's going to make it that much harder for the left to fight the Biden administration. They said, just vote for Biden and just settle for Biden. And once he gets elected, then you can fight. Okay, he's elected now. I'm fucking fighting. So that so that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I'm saying like those Democrats you're talking about, we're fighting against them too. So I don't care what they say. It, it, anything that happens as far as like policy change happens on the ground. Everything that happened that changed this country significantly from ending slavery and whatever the Revolutionary War, ending slavery, having uh, being considered a human. They'll, those fights start on the ground. So whatever thing, so whatever else we're trying to fight for, if it being, um, you know, uh, like a universal, I mean, like free tuition for colleges or like which they have in Mexico, um, universal health care and different things that, you know, we find important. What I'm saying is like, I don't care what those centrist Democrats are talking about or whoever, John Kasich is not even, I mean, he's a right wing weirdo, but like, I'm also fighting against them too. The fight is different because they don't have armed militias that believe in them and want to come out and commit crimes for them. So the fight is different, but I'm also fighting against them too. So I'm not like, like I'm invested in that fight just as much as I'm in the fight against the right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I hear you on that. It's just, there's, and you're absolutely right. We don't need to, part of what we need to do on the left is not buy into these narratives too much and not allow them to win that. And that's kind of like we're in agreement on there. Just make sure you're both kind of like where I'm coming from in this is that you're armed with the information to show where you are. A really fast go over, because this is hard to miss. Remember that Amy McGarth race? Remember that Amy McGrath race where it's like, okay, let's get rid of Mitch McConnell. If we unfinish this one race, we can get rid of Mitch McConnell. It was all those um, Pod Save America like weirdos who are literally just like non-player characters. They're all basically the same person. Um, they are funneling all this money, millions and millions of dollars to this race in Kentucky. What happens? Bodied. Like, she loses by what? 15 points? More than that? At like, least. against yeah. uh, Mitch McConnell? 
So where's all that money going to go? Is that going to go, um, like for federal election reasons, it's not going to go like be redistributed wealth rise. It's barely going to likely go into the Democratic National Convention to the help other down ballot races where they could reallocate the funds um, to help the Democratic Party gain more power more equitably because the Democratic Party seems to be a never ending money hole. So like that's not going to help anywhere. Uh, where's that money going to go? We don't know. At least we know where the Lincoln Project money is going to go. Because the Lincoln Project, which um, Benjamin Dixon had a really good point about the Lincoln Project, how they spent like $60, 70000000 million on ads and spending that basically did nothing in the race. Meanwhile, all the activists in Georgia that actually fought and did things to turn the election um, are probably short on rent right now. Uh, meanwhile, the Lincoln Project is going to become, yeah, $67 million. And the Lincoln Project announced they're going to become a media and a podcast network. So they're just doing the Pod Save America thing right now. Like, congratulations, liberals. Congratulations. This is what your money is getting you. You just paid $67 million. So the, the Republican lights can be just as powerful as Pod Save America. Maybe, like, they can out-centrist each other and, like, eat each other and gash out each other's, like, necks and shit. I don't know. At least we're kind of entertaining for me. But, like... I am so those, fucking those tired people, of these grifters, those, those people are like, like they can be out of here too. Like, that, what what I'm talking about. I mean, I, honestly, I feel like I'm talking way too much. I feel bad for Caesar sitting there with his hood on. Sean's like reading the Bible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's it, it's not gonna happen overnight. Like. We got to get it to, like, nobody gives a fuck about the Lincoln Project. Like, they got, like, 10 listeners. Like, we can do that. That's on the ground. And, like, the, we already know, like, those people in those high places, like, they don't have the same interests as us. I don't expect them to. They're going to be getting millions of dollars until the day they're not. And that's going to be because of us changing people's minds. Amy McGrath is going to lose to Mitch McConnell because... I'm sure in Kentucky, mostly white racist people vote. <laughs> like, I'm sure that's what the case is. Maybe they need a Stacey Abrams. We're not going to talk about that yet. But, like, maybe they need somebody like that to run around and say, hey, like, I, I don't know what my son and Tamika Mallory were doing down there when they were out there for Breonna Taylor. Like, maybe they could have done some of that, too. Like, hey, like, it's really important that this demon, Mitch McConnell, whose hands are darker than mine, like he needs to get out of here. So, like, th there, there's a lot of work to do on the ground, is what I'm saying. And like, maybe I, I think Dan, you just get more annoyed about those people than me. And you, it probably is because you worked in media, so it's like more like nerfing to you. But um, I, I'm I'm on your side, Dan. Please stop yelling at me, please. I'm I joking. see these people gain power, and it's annoying. But less, I, I I'll, I'll shut up now and give other space to for thoughts. Hey, Caesar. Um, I, have, I have a thought of um, uh, we you, or Bam was saying how um, obviously he, he where uh, Republicans or Trump runs on fear and runs on all of that, and Dan was saying how the Democrats and stuff are always like cowering in fear and stuff. Is what would it look like if a left candidate runs on fear, like to fear of something? Like, how on earth does a leftists do that without just straight being um a maoist or something like <laughs> wildly crazy of just like the, the pro the 
the corporations are going to kill us all. The proletariat must rise again. We must seize the means of production. We need to march up to the White House right now. We need to go and kill Steve Mnuchin right now. Like, <laughs> what? Like, what is the fear thing that they can run on? Because like, there's not much you can do without just going absolutely radicalness. Which I mean, I'm slightly down for, but other part, it's just <laughs> kind of hilarious to see. You give you put a battery in Antifa's back if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna burn your I house mean, down too. True, I mean, if you're a true leftist, you're armed to the teeth. So you know, they're gonna burn your house down too. Trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. That Sean speech was kind of well prepared. I'm, con- I'm, I'm a little suspicious now. <laughs> kind of really good speech there, Sean. You been working on that? Are you right down there? Oh, they were going well, at it give, for five minutes. I mean, giving, giving me batteries. I'll march up <laughs> yeah. there myself. Yeah. Shit. I mean, I mean, I, I, I kind of see both things. Like, I understand what Dan's saying. Like, Dan's like, oh, like, I, I don't want people to take this approach as in, like, hey, like, hey, it's all good. Like, nice. Like, we did it. Let's all kick back, put our feet up. Woo! Like, it's definitely not that because, you know, the, the way that we're, like, that the, the right works, it just seems like any opportunity to slip up, they, like, jump, dude. They jump. And, like, there's, like, no mercy on, like, any kind of level. And it, and it seems like people who, especially on the left, like, have an approach where it's, like, no, we don't just jump on anything that's like TMZ. Like we're trying to get things to like we're trying to pick people not because they're you know uh, they're explosive or this and this. We're trying to pick people with actual ideals and values and plans that make sense. You know the the funny counterpoint that the right likes to make is what's Biden's plan? I'm like okay, like your approach to come back at that is because you don't look things up, you don't do research. You like a candidate that goes out there and spews stuff and then, okay, like, that's fun because he's, like, doing this, like, attack mode trolling. Like, that's fun. But a lot of people on the left like to actually look at, like, two candidates and be like, hmm, like, all right, well, they got this going on and they got this. And that's why, like, I, obviously we all get along so well. Like, I think we all have that approach when it comes to people, uh, uh, except for Sean. Sean's just, like, burn it all down. Fuck it. But, um, you know, like, <laughs> but, yeah, so – I'm, I'll be honest with you, like, I'd be lying to you if I said, like, I've looked into Lincoln Project, I know all about it, I really don't know much about it. I've heard about, like, a little family, what it does, and it seems to me like the Lincoln Project, yeah, $67 million went towards it, of course, like, it, it, it's almost like during this time, it provided some help, some, and they exploited benefits off it, but I can't imagine it, like, having such sustainability over time. Like it didn't seem like, it doesn't seem like something that picked up steam and we all kind of like, you know, like we're like, Oh, this is like the move, but maybe I'm just speaking bias. Cause I haven't heard of it. I'm not in the move. For, 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 for context. Um, but, I'll, I'll just explain for the audience too. Cause like the Lincoln project. Yeah. And I, I do apologize. Cause sometimes you are so much in these bubbles that like, you understand that only five or 10% of people do get this, but like the Lincoln yeah. project is this, um, group that was founded by former Republicans. Many of them worked in the Bush administration, et cetera. And they're like, we stand for true Republicans and we mm. are going to stand up against Donald Trump because he doesn't represent real America. Meanwhile, which, and that basically meant that they were going to make really brutal, like smearing, scathing attack ads against Donald Trump and other like down ballot Democratic um, candidates who are going against Republicans who those Republicans were mainly major in support of Donald Trump. So the idea is you use this team of really wealthy, really well-connected former Republicans to make a bunch war of attack, yeah, yeah war crimes, to make a bunch of attack ads to try to help Democrats, but basically making yourself in making the Democrats indebted to you. So then they give you favors once they have power again. So you're solidifying some amount of Republican power. But what you're really doing is just like taking a bunch of money from like people who are fundraising things like 
imagine the work that if liberals were if liberals were really about their shit and they're about like okay the um we, there's nothing we can do with the electoral system the republicans have screwed everything the democrats are now going to move towards a local strategy of um what is it mutual aid where we're going to do fundraising the same we do for aim regards or lincoln project these dumb ads to make sure that we can um feed homeless people and make sure they have shelters during the winter because climate change is such a disaster to make sure that um there are food banks and COVID tests and all those different things that people need to make sure that there are some type of options or support for uh, people who are doing rent strikes because the uh, courts are opening up again for evictions to happen. Do something that helps people tangibly, maybe something that helps like the poorest people get what, like $100, $200, make it a month for COVID relief, make it so there's more pressure against the conservative and the Republican Party to give some type of COVID relief um, monthly to people again because twelve hundred dollars for 10 weeks or 20 weeks or 30 weeks is very clearly not enough like there's stuff you can do with your power and your leverage that um and if you don't have power you claim to not have that much power or leverage there's stuff you can try to do or figure out to do but it's yeah it's like not happening <laughs> in the way that it needs to be um yeah I, well, that's, a, that's that's some good ideas you uh... Hit them up. Tell them about it. Yeah. Uh, anyone at the Democratic Party, DM me. Uh, put me uh, right in the DM. Anyways. <sighs> There's been a really quick sort of like rush to applause Stacey Abrams, particularly for single-handedly saving Georgia and saving uh, democracy because helping Georgia with their uh, ballot turnout. Um turn and flip from red to blue. I mean, of course, we still don't know. There's still some Senate races that are very contested, and Democrats are relying on Donald Trump to continue punching himself in the face um, for that to continue to hurt down ballot somehow. And then for those Senate races that Republicans are trying to keep to lose, that way Democrats gain in the Senate, and then with Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker, they could actually, you know, have a functioning goddamn government. But that, that's, that's built on a lot of like really like smooth brain assumptions. At the same time, smooth brain assumptions that got people believing that uh, Donald, um, that Joe Biden was going to win in a landslide. So I'm not going to really trust that for a greater salt. But it's also the smooth brain assumption that we've seen not play out. We've seen absolutely not play out in this election cycle so far, which is to suggest that somehow there are enough people who are repelled by Republicans like Donald Trump that they'll turn against the entire party. When what you've really seen is, okay, maybe some people might be repelled against Donald Trump the Republican, but they'll still be likely to vote Republican down ballot. Or they'll see him as an aberration and see the media overworkingness around him as something that is you don't have to pay much attention to, and you'll continue to vote for Republicans down ballot now that he's gone, especially because you'll be afraid of the Democratic, Socialist, Maoist Joe Biden. And you'll want to believe that having a Republican in there will balance out the party, when in reality, it'll just create more gridlock. So there's this whole thing that's happening because, of course, like Kamala Harris is the first vice president. They have this whole episode about why, like, okay, we can celebrate she's a black woman being the first vice president and also point out that she's a cop. Like, we, we, we are no longer allowed to have these conversations because it's like, yes, this black woman, um, Stacey Abrams, who allowed the, the Republicans to gerrymander in her state when she was had the power to do anything about it, is now some queen for single-handedly um, winning 800,000 votes in the state of Georgia, when there are multiple different organizations that, um, to her credit, Stacey Abrams mentioned, um, like the uh, Fair Fight, there is um, 
Southern Economic Advancement Project. There's um, New Georgia Project. There's all these different programs and grassroots movements that have been moving to get out the vote in Georgia that Stacey Abrams helped work towards. But all this is towards making like the idea that Stacey Abrams should be the new face of the Democratic Party, that we will symbolically have a black woman in charge. And that seems to be the Democrats' new band-aid to fix problems. Here's a black woman to fix it. Here's a black woman to fix it. Never mind um, the politics of that particular person and whether or not they will continue the policies of white supremacy or actually help to bring equity to their communities. It's just, hey, here's a black person. Yes, queen, let's go to brunch. We did it. It's, it's, it's again, asinine. <laughs> that the Democrats are right back at this. It shows they've always wanted to do this. this is the identity politics shit is the only thing they know how to do well because to offer anything even slightly tangibly to everyone else in America would mean they would have to give up like some money. They'd have to give up the game that they are not opposed to Republicans and want to make sure that wealth is hoarded to the top and we get to just lovingly look at Nancy Pelosi's full-on refrigerator full of ice cream while people are starving to death on the street. Like, is that the America the Democrats want? It appears so, because this whole Stacey Abrams narrative that, like, this is going to be the savior, yay, all this stuff is so brain dead and just goes against, like, it goes to show what kind of airheads in the Democratic Party that the left is going to be fighting for the next four years. Well, let's get, let's get, someone, let's get someone besides Bam here. Like, let's see. <laughs> Did, did we win for real? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want to know what Sean has I want to know what Sean has to say to that. <laughs> um well, Democrats have been playing identity politics forever because everybody's so excited about like Kamala getting in excited about Stacey Abrams and this has been going on for a long time and I'm like what are the policies of these people? Look up what they actually believe in. What are they going to do? Are they actually going to fight for you? Do they have all these corporate ties? Blah, blah, blah. But people don't look this up because they see a pretty face onto it of, oh my God, hope change. We're going to make a difference. Like, no, they're going to do the same shit they've been doing over and over again, which is screw working class people. So unless you're extremely wealthy or within the Democratic Party, it's not going to help you. So it's just stuff that just pisses me off more. Um, but I mean, it's not much you can... There's not much change in that regard that um, is going to happen unless you get rid, as I said earlier, you get rid of those establishment people in charge of the DNC. You have to really reinvent and go from those grassroots and really go a lot of things of what do you want done? What do you really want done? And you don't even have to label it things as like, do you believe in a Green New Deal? Do you believe in this? You can do simple things as do you want... uh, access to healthcare? Do you want your family to have access to healthcare? Do you want your family to have access to education? Do you want your family to have access to clean energy jobs? Do you like example if your family's working in oil, do you want them to transfer that to something in a renewables so that we don't be worried about plants shutting down? Because oil production is an example. Chevron laid off a lot of people right now in this area in California because they're not making as much because um, production's going down because we're going more into renewables. So if you make it into small little things like that, I think that's a good way to actually change and make things better in that regard instead of doing the whole woohoo here's my little rainbow flag mayor pete's gay let's put him in charge too because we could do that as well that's not going to do anything because these people are just like literally spewing things that don't make sense or are not going to change it they'll show mayor pete on top of an abrams tank like firing off like on a minigun firing like 200 rounds per minute and say pride, equality. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like, exactly. Where the hell are we coming and from? We truly 
I don't under I don't think he said a single sentence ever that has had any substance to it in his entire life. I, like there's a whole video of him I remember doing um back a while ago that was like he can speak multiple languages. I'm like I, every one of us here can speak multiple I, languages. I mean so, so many Americans can barely speak English. I don't even want to get into that. But like if I could just encapsulate <laughs> my thing with like like I know if you I understand like you're out there like Dan just Get off everyone's dick. Just be happy. Be excited that, like, we have a president, Biden, and Donald Trump is going to be on his way out. And we can finally, okay, it won't be perfect. And he won't Trump shouldn't have happened in the first place. But, like, place. yeah, of course Trump shouldn't have happened in the first place. But you know what is coming? Like, do you know the hell that is coming? Stacey Abrams, when she was running, she voted with the Republican Party to overturn um, a decision mm -hmm. in Georgia that made it so the banks who were responsible for pushing out black families in Atlanta where those areas are being gentrified, the banks responsible had to actually pay up for the fact that they wrote all these shitty loans, weren't paying attention to it, none of it was up to standards, and that caused the displacement and the complete wreckage of generational wealth, what little generational wealth had been built for African Americans in Atlanta and the surrounding area. Uh, the bankers obviously didn't like that very much, and they worked with the Georgia Republicans to make sure there was a bill overturning that, making sure that we would never want anything to happen, such as the banks have to be accountable for the harm they tangibly do to African-American families in Georgia. But um, an interesting thing to note about that was Stacey Abrams decided to vote in favor of the bill with Republicans, while um, the other candidate, Stacey Evans, who, no relation, who was running against her in the mm -hmm. Democratic primary, decided to vote against that because, I don't know, maybe it's something that runs in the family where we decide that bankers shouldn't be fucking us. I don't know, maybe that's just like some weird thing that has to do with the Evans name, that bankers shouldn't be, or actually shouldn't have to be <laughs> held responsible for dealing with um, pulling, like putting black people out on the street. Um, meanwhile, you have tweets from Melissa Harris Perry who tweeted, quote, I'd like to see Joe Biden wash Stacey Abrams' feet with his tears and dry him with his hair. So, like, what the fuck? Like, that's supposed to be our media. Like, what are we doing? This is just fucking idol worship. Like, how this is barely better than Donald Trump, only, oh, it's a black woman now? Like, the media is so fucking incompetent. You can get a job so easily just by being a hack for any of these people. All they have to do is, like, looking in one direction, just like, please spit on me. Please just like, I'll worship the ground you step on. It's so dumb. And like, this is the level of punditry we're getting right now. And like, again, let me go to Joy Reid because I'm just fucking at it right now. She was tweeting out of all of this. I say this as someone with no pity for Donald Trump. There's a pathos to his story. Here's a man propped up from day one by a cruel father, a man who couldn't succeed on his own. Yet through sheer demographic wealth, was awarded wealth and power, only to squander both. Shut the fuck up and stop trying to normalize the fucking psychopath who's responsible for killing babies at the border. You insolent twit. Why are you on MSNBC? Like, I, I don't get why these people have power and these people are mentioned as the power structures in media because they're so dumb. They're just fanatics. Again, like you said, they're just watching movies out there going, I just wish this could be the fucking West Wing because the West Wing is so much better than real goddamn life. And we've got to completely destroy every single one of these, like scorch earth against these media ghouls like Van Jones crying because this is such the greatest thing, crying all the way to his fucking CNN like special hotel room paid for himself. 
Bam Jones has completely forgotten about goddamn community organizing, yet we have to look to him? No. Exactly like Bam's saying, all these people need to be scorched or gone, completely treated as they're non-existent and irrelevant in media discourse and society. Uh, Bam, what do you think? <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back a bit. Um, Sorry, I blacked out, y'all. Yeah, we noticed. Um, I'm gonna go back a bit. Um, Stacey Abrams, being the founder of Fair Fight Action, um, she did help get over 800,000 people registered to vote. Single-handedly by hand, like, she did it all by herself. No, it's not true. No, 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 no. I, 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 I'm not saying that, and anybody else saying that is is wrong. Like, I, I don't like just because somebody said that, like, doesn't. I don't know. Like, no, the not, people saying this are the people in media who are supposed to be informing other people of what's going on. So, like, the informers well, are getting it wrong. Is the problem? I, I'm gonna stop yeah, now. Well, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they get shit wrong all the time, so I'm not surprised by that. And 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 honestly, like, I've I've heard Stacey Abrams talk many times. I'm sure that she would never take credit herself for anything. Like, she was um, screwed in that election against Brian Kemp, um, him being the former Secretary of State of Georgia. But whatever. Um, Eight hundred thousand people registered to vote. Um, I'm sure a lot of them voted, and it changed. What's going on in in Georgia? Does for me does that mean that she's perfect or like everything that she voted for or against is is right? Of course not. You know, like I'm not a, I'm not expecting anybody to be perfect or just like everything that I think is is the right thing to vote for. Like they're going to do that. Like I I mean I'm not expecting that out of these politicians. But like going back to the identity politics, um, I think the Republican Party plays identity politics more than anybody. Um, like 100%. They might do it in a way that's not so obvious because it's just white people. And like, for whatever reason, like when we see a person of color, it like, oh, it's identity politics. But no, like they're reaching out to the white base and they do that with white faces. Um, and nobody wants to call that identity politics. Trump is how you're talking about the suburban woman and stuff like that and demonizing Black Lives Matter. Like, that's identity politics. So it's not one side playing that. And I do think representation matters. Like me and Caesar talked many times, like I can't imagine there ever being a black president in Brazil or like anybody like in like, you know, having these uh, people in these uh, high offices in different countries that had slavery too. Like, are you kidding me? It The, the, the worst thing is that we still got to talk about it. Like, we still got to talk about it. And that's not our fault. That's not the person of color's fault that we still got to say, like, yeah, it's the first one. That That is that means something. You know, the, the I'm trying not to say whitey, but if I start, if I say it once, I'm going to just keep saying it. But um, <laughs> like they they built a country to exclude us. Like and my, my bar, contrapoint. Bar, bar none, they built a country to exclude us. And the fact that we're getting in these in these uh, places means something. Yeah, you also have to that point as well. You can get people of color, people different ethnicities, people different religions as well, with better politics too, with better messages, with better things that will 
actually produce some change instead of only going for these votes and stuff, only going for this just because of their religion, yeah, but, race, ethnicities, but, sexual orientation, whatever. And that happens to Republicans as well. Yeah, but I don't think that they're doing that only. Like, that's such a blanket statement, and that's assuming that you know every single race that's happening. Like, on a national level, yeah, I don't know what their policies, but all these different places, like, I, I think it's a, a leap to say, like, every single race, they're just saying, hey, vote for me because I'm Asian. Like, I don't think that they're doing that. Like, these people are offer, offering policy, too. But the fact that, whoa, okay. The fact that... um we're still having these firsts is because oh, of the, it's atrocious. Yeah. And, 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 and it means Germany, at least we have a, a woman president or chancellor Christ. We've had for 15 years. Like, like it means something that there is representation. Um, it would suck if we still like just shit, man. I've never seen somebody that looks anything remotely like me, uh, in these high offices. Like, I wonder why, like that, it means something to have those people there. It, but that's not me saying like, oh, because they're there, they're perfect. Or like, I just, yeah, I'm going to vote for them because they're black or whatever. Of course not. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not that dense, but it does, but representation is important. In, in, in the shortest way possible, representation matters, but is not enough. And I believe that people like you, Bam, who are very well-meaning and understand like the logical way to come about this need to be as forceful as possible more forceful than ever right now in asserting that representation matters, but is not everything. That we need to be looking at as like a factor, mm -hmm. but not the big result. And if we have someone yeah. like, and again, like if we get lucky and we get folks like AOC and Cori Bush and Jamal Bowman, who are people yep. of color, but are also progressive Ilhan as fuck, Omar. and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley, they're progressive yep. as fuck and they will fight for us. And they happen mm -hmm. to be people of color, then great. Then, then we've gotten both the test. Right. Like, I, I need to. I, 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 it's not you doing this, but and I will stop here before I go on another tangent. But we need to stop being treated crazy, being treated like we're crazy for asking for both. All right, <laughs> that's the I, thing. I, yeah, and I don't know who's doing that. Like I don't know who's like, what, what, you're the crazy. Liberals, every Democrat in power. Liberals. Everyone. Yeah, every I single mean, one. Big time. Yeah, and and on and like like I said like I've been saying, and Caesar, you're up right after me right now. Like I've been saying, we're fighting against that bullshit too. Like we're fighting against that too. And for, 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 for whatever the democratic party's faults, the democratic, like, like the Republicans are so much worse. They don't give a shit about representation. It's, it's a bunch of goddamn. They, they're 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 appealing to the worst instincts of people that are stuck in uh, times where you could lynch me, roast me, and sell my pickled fingers. They're appealing to that. Like they are absolutely appealing to that. There's. Postcards. And for folks who are thinking he's being hyperbolic, there are actually like people he's hanging not. in effigy along with Trump 2020 things on people's front porches. Like hangmen on people's porches with Trump 2020 signs all over the country. I have some family members who are saying like they live in like a white neighborhood in the South and it was like, it was getting loud on election night. Like it was getting violent. It was getting wild. Like I can imagine it's tough in that situation. So like I just want to say that. And, and, and once again, 
they're appealing to a time when when Lindsey Graham talking about the good old days of segregation. <laughs> they're appealing to a time which which got no news by the way, appealing to a time where someone like myself could be burned, hung, roasted like a pig in Hawaii, and have their fingers and toes pickled in jars. In, in jars. This is real stuff that happened in America with no consequence. The Republican Party is appealing to that history. So, like, like I have no, like, nah, like, we got, there's, there's something better than that shit. There's a lot of people that would be totally down to go back to that reality. Tell Lil Wayne that. <laughs> He'll be the first one. Uh, Caesar, <laughs> on, on that note, is there anything you would like to uh, chime in with or... <laughs> Y'all just really hit me at the right times, huh? <laughs> Everybody goes on the forty-five minute tangent. Caesar, like, uh, <laughs> I I apologize. Uh, I apologize. No, yeah, I talked to. No, much. no, no, apologize. There's no apologize. No, don't apologize. Don't be no, a no. bitch. Only, only triple down. Only... Triple down. Yeah, triple down. Do double down on it, please. Um, I think like millions of points were made in between me talking, but I think the one I was kind of <laughs> thinking about was you discussing about Stacy. You know, I think I agree. Like, yes, like. Yeah, she wasn't over there in the street like by herself getting people like AOC was at in the train station trying to get people to sign up for her to vote her in for her position. Maybe that wasn't happening. Of course she had a team with her. Of course like things are going. But to me, at times like this, especially after the four years that we went through, it's it's I think it's really important as human beings and this like our mental health is to like to focus on what came about through that. Yes, like people came out voted. Yes, they voted blue. Things changed. The, the the swing state flipped. Everything in life needs to be a building block. It's and you don't build blocks off of breaking the ones right before that you put down. Yes, it's not the first one that was good, but it, it can lead to another step. If we're gonna take a step towards getting like people like AOC in, obviously it wasn't gonna go work. Be, it wasn't gonna get through the path of another of Trump reelected because Trump went through four years and the country still didn't want Bernie Sanders. So maybe that wasn't the approach. Maybe the approach Americans need is to be that get their hand held by someone like Biden. Okay, all right, all right. They're like, wait, we can actually get better than what this guy's doing? Okay, maybe that's the approach. Because radicalness in the beginning wasn't the approach that worked. It actually forced people, it, it rubbed people the wrong way. It brought division. Things got ugly in this country. And then the, the other side was like, like Bam said, appealing to things that were atrocious, disgusting, Horrible acts against humans that were living here as well, too, that were that were on this soil as well, too, were getting treated like they were just garbage. So I think the approach we need to have right now is, yeah, there's a lot of really shitty uh, uh, things about the Democratic Party that were that came to light throughout the four years that went through the Democratic Party that was very lazy through the approach. Their approach wasn't. Um, let's take let's take initiative into this and, and make sure we're getting the right people in power. They were just like, oh man, like Trump sucks. Like, oh wow, he like really bad. So there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, but I think this is the first step towards it. Maybe Stacy wasn't the most uh, uh, Captain America person of all time to help us through the times based upon her past, but for sure she did something that people with squeaky pass didn't do, you know, and that's what's important to me. Uh, th that's the name that came out of it along her team, for sure. Thank you for what you did. I, what you did back then sucked, but hey, appreciate this now. And then we're just going to build from here. That's my approach because 
you know, coming as someone that's an immigrant myself, in my country, this isn't happening. In Brazil, this is not happening. In Brazil, our Trump is still leading in polls, leading in numbers, is possibly going to get reelected. So, you know, maybe maybe our approach, maybe maybe bringing Biden in, that's going to if Trump had the same wave across the across the world that he did coming in and doing what he did, maybe a Biden leading to someone in the future will bring that same wave around other places, too. So that's kind of my outlook right now, because I spent so much energy in my life being over this dude, Trump, and from, from getting a stimulus package to the things he was saying in the media and the public to his tweets. That was so much energy being upset that, like, I'm not going to keep that energy into Biden coming in and what was going on in the atmosphere and these whack-ass centrists. I'm not going to keep that energy right now. I'm going to definitely focus on building it for the future so we can get new people in and keep working towards it. But I'm not going to keep going with the same damn uh, uh, fire I had on, on that. Let let me just get a day, damn it. Let me get a day. The votes ain't even counted yet. I, I am all gas, no brakes. I am literally just because me, I've been holding back. I've been holding back all of this criticism and all of this fervor, trying to hold it back. Literally, no, because I was like, okay, Joe Biden might not have this fucker down. He might like need need every little extra support he get. I'm like, okay, we're just like, it's until November. That's what we do. But this is the day after. This is when the gun's been fired in the air, and I can go off to the races, and I can then say what I've been wanting to say for the past like five months. And and like I I really do appreciate it. The fact that you're having this perspective about like it's not that great in a lot of other countries, and I can't wait to at least one good thing, honestly, about a Biden administration is I think we'll be able to focus more about foreign policy in a more sober context where we're thinking about other countries because that's what I just want to do and cover on Power Report more generally. So I think that's where the connections really come in. It's just the um, American election has been such a big thing here, but I have. I think every single election, and then this will like kind of lead into like the last segment, but like every single election has like, I've learned many things over the four years in between every election from like Obama being elected to Trump and now this, but usually the election months, something like clicks in me after a while because it's been some itching feeling that I've been wondering, is this how things are? And the election proves out a result. And too often it's been that I have been too silent in a way. Like I've been saying, Huh, it looks like we are seeing history repeat itself where we're throwing our support behind this uh, very lukewarm uh, Democrat who helped in one situation but has a history that I very question. And I was told during this time, hey, come on, let's celebrate. Let's just relax and acknowledge what happened and what good was happening here and look forward in the future. And then the future comes and we're told that we believe that. And the future comes and every opportunity we have to like as a progressive left to hold our hands up and like ask for support or ask a like hand up we get like our hand kicked and we get like pushed down into the ocean and off the cliff and so this is almost me saying like in preparation for that this is me the day after election wait till this shit starts happening because i know this is going to start happening and i sound like the crazy person right now because this is the day after and i can like i'm reading the tea leaves and i can see where these like goons are about to go politically and I'm like waving the red flag about it, mostly for bragging rights, so I can say I did it at this time. But I can also say that everyone's gonna come back around when we realize what side of the issues all of these like big Democratic Party heroes are right now. And it's gonna be one more notch on the belt of, you see, I know a lot of things don't make sense because politics is complicated and clouded, but 
if we go with the left and we continue critiquing ourselves and being smart about our movement and our strategy and improving and building upon the successes of the past, we can truly get to victory and then it'll be overwhelming. There are um, decades where like weeks happen and then weeks where decades happen is the quote, right? So like it's, it's one of those things where it just kind of reaches momentum at a certain level. Um, I mean, we only had really one left-ish president, FDR, and that's really it. it but even then, he wasn't even that left. As far as like using the government as an um, angle to redistribute. Um, I guess you could see like economically yeah, popular, much. sure. Left, uh, maybe. But th this is my last segment, which is, I mean, it, any last words before we go to the last one? I'm excited for you to go off on uh, Nate Silver. We're, we're about to do that right now, because I think... I was alluding to you. Yes. <laughs> hey, bam, come on. Where, where's the energy? Where's the fight? Come on. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't really, I never followed Nate Silver. Like, I don't know well, much about Max to go Blumenthal. Off. Come on. You got to have some takes or opinions on some of these people. Because I, like, like, like I said during our coverage, I'm cleansing myself of these people that annoy me. And, and, and that's good because I encourage everyone to do that. Like every four years, you really should. I tell people to do this all the time. Take stock of the information sources you've been paying attention to. At Jimmy Dore. <laughs> <I'm, laughs> now, Sean, you're about to get me in trouble. I didn't even have anything planned on Jimmy Dore today. But like that being said. Um, Oh, you, man. <laughs> I, okay, D uh, Dan, like, honestly, like, I'm not going to pay attention to, like, anybody that annoys me unless you ask me to. Like, if you're like, hey, bam, like, we're going to talk about this on PowerPoint. Can you check out this Jimmy Dore or whatever? Then I'll do it. But, like, if if it's not for this, like, I'm just, like, not even. That's healthier for you. I've got to stay abreast yes. of these things because these people are maniacs. But because I stay abreast <laughs> of these things every, all the time, once every four years, I get to see who's bubbled bursts and which bubbles burst and it's just absolutely hilarious to watch so um literally i call this kind of era of things just like kill your pundits it's time to actually see like which of the ones are just spinning you bullshit and taking um basically millions of dollars of salary to spin talk out of their ass for hours and hours a day meanwhile i happily talk out of my ass wolf blitzer yeah so like but like even <laughs> wolf blitzer doesn't even have enough of an opinion for it worth a damn uh, first of all, let's just get like the low-hanging pinata, Nate Silver, <laughs> who like his entire—it's almost less of a Nate Silver thing. Who, by the way, he's handling it very well because um, him and other election aggregating sites. Which before the election, he'll say, "No, other websites are polls. We're polling aggregators. That makes us better because we're looking at all the polls, and that makes us smarter." And then once the election happens, and then the election results are such that the predicted big wave of democratic votes is not materializing and there's actually a red not like a red wave but the overcorrection made in the polling it ended up working in the republicans favor republicans were able to gain ground based on like the huge like lead like the um sweep kind of numbers that they were talking about with joe biden they were saying landslide numbers for joe biden but it turned out in a lot of those races that were expected to be like quote unquote landslide uh, Republicans actually picked up seats. In. Um, so now all of a sudden, uh, Nate Silver is like, oh, the, the information I got were wrong. The, our polls were right. They predicted a Joe Biden run, but the overcorrection that night was for Republicans. And so um, our polls still took the chance. Basically, he ended up going on his podcast saying, 
if you're talking about 538, the polls were right, fuck you. We're right, fuck you. He, he just like kept throwing F-bombs randomly. It's like, we're, fuck, we're right, fuck you. Come on, fuck you. Because <laughs> the sad... He, he was really... He was really doing that? Yeah. Because he, he, I, I unfortunately yep. listen to this like cuck shit all the time. And ever since like election season has started coming together, <laughs> like he's getting more antsy. And you know, it's like Revenge of the Nerds. It's like you have a code monkey who's just like really upset that the world is not working to his algorithm. And he's sort of like expressing that frustration and making himself generally intolerable to all the people around him. Like it's just like the, the, the typical like nerd shit. But really, this should be the death of the idea that you have this overly statistical pundit who like, oh, I read all the polls from these states and have this data and information here and I'm able to get the best result. When in reality, hey, you know what Democrats haven't been doing a lot of? Fucking talking to people. Fucking knocking on doors and asking people what the fuck is going on. What's wrong in their community? And how have Democrats not been helping in the past four years? And what stuff can be done to actually help them and better serve them? What concerns do they have from their like, former communities or once in their lives they can possibly help to like support that basic ask questions that you do as a representative in a functioning democracy the democrats just believe is just a complete nonsense sort of like factor in a role to do instead we've decided to listen to these like witch doctors for polling essentially and they've consistently gotten it wrong because they're not understanding they're failing to capture um populistic fervor in the country and I remember I was working with TYT when I pointed out that um, part of Nate Silver's data was overcorrecting um, or overcompensating for numbers that didn't exist in part of Joe Biden's favor. And Nate Silver responded even back then. I just want to be clear. The Young Turks are full of shit on this. <laughs> and it's like, so dangerous, salty, it's like, dude, whatever you say, but you keep being wrong, like constantly, like all the time. And people keep pointing you out and you just keep saying that they're wrong. So like. Nate Silver is just like Trump with numbers, basically. It's just like he, he's acting like a, a, a Trump when he's paid by the house of mouse to get on the ESPN network and do numbers and sports betting from time to time. It's really only Nate Silver and his like horrible receding hairlines role in that company. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Like, I mean, I was going to say this earlier. I forgot, but um, polls are also part of the reason I started FDS because polls are bullshit. Like, honestly, they are. They don't even like, reach anyone. I've never I don't believe... Yeah, I, I do... Like, when, when they're like, oh, the polls, like, I do not take it into consideration at all. Because I'm just like, y'all are just like... Yeah, yeah, it's almost like some kind of witch doctor. Like, you're selling some snake oil. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, there's like 49 to 51. Like, you don't know. Shut up! Well, it's like almost like sports stuff too, where you have sports uh, people that are like statistically, this player plays well, this, so this is what's going to be the outcome. And meanwhile, they get blown out. It's not the same thing. You can, like, so there's some things that statistics can never do. And Nate Silver's Barcelona getting their ass kicked to Bayern in Champions League eight to two. So some people are like like have a gambler mentality, and they like mm -hmm. love that shit, like the guessing and predictions. Mm -hmm. I'm not a gambler. So, like, that doesn't appeal to me. But some people love that shit. Caesar's a gambler. A lot of people love that shit. Caesar's a gambler. Oh, we don't need to... I mean, I was low-key, but thanks for having me. Um, oh. Caesar <laughs> betting on dogs in the alley in the winter. I, I usually <laughs> bet on, like, which, which way hair, Donald Trump's hair is going to flow. Those kind of parlay <laughs> bets, you know. 
um, you know, how how many times he's gonna do this with his fingers and stuff like that, and you know, <laughs> those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Yeah, I'm glad you're informing me about Nate Silver. I will never check him out. Oh, he um, sucks. But yeah, well, I mean, he's the media's god. It's a thing. Like I am, I'm attacking all the. He did one. He did one good election, then everybody just like bowed down to him. I'm like, okay, he got one thing right. Let's see what else he does, and he hasn't got anything right since. So like, who gives a fuck? It's like examples, like the guys who shorted the market in 2008. Are they going to be the heads of hedge funds now or something? Are they gonna be yes. The heads of people <laughs> that are like doing that, like you can do that because they actually saw anything before that. Nate Silver just did his like, I'm cool. I get something right. The polling journalism is like a welfare program for like stats nerds, honestly. Like the da- there's good data journalism out there. Um, it can be done in a million better places than politics, but every data journalist should be like, um, reassigned or um, put somewhere else, and they should careful. Be, and, and, and no, they should be replaced with journalists who are going to go out into local areas where journalism has been virtually mm-hmm. destroyed and talk to people and be like, "Hey, why are you don't evenly fit in the Democratic or Republican Party? Like most people in this country don't evenly fit in either mm-hmm. party. And what do you actually think? And what are you about? And don't do these like fluff pieces where you overemphasize this like one sort of." Arch- like white working class archetype that you're trying to find in the middle of the country but you know just like do something semi-logical i don't know but um r- really um go ahead just really quick to that um i really i like the real news a lot um as a company and media organization and um they were doing that in pennsylvania before the election or like the day of the election and before and it was really cool like um they're just going around talking to it was like two reporters talking to different voters uh, Republicans, Democrats, like people kind of in between, whatever. And um, one of the women had posted it and she was like, she had mentioned in her post, like, you know, it was nice to talk to people. It's so much different than social media where like, you know, it's like so vitriolic or whatever. She's like, you know, it's like nice to get to talk to people face to face. And I mentioned to her, that's why I started FDS. And like, hopefully now she joins. We exchanged emails and stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, Bam, working on the clock. All right, now. Um, it, it's basically a deal where I, I agree that we need to move past this political universe in a lot of ways. Based, we need to move past this political universe that's been constructed by the mainstream media that's very clearly wrong and bad at really surmising any of these things. But okay, now this is the part where I just have unadulterated fun. Uh, Tim Pool and Charlie Kirk, who have been on the Trump train for months, saying that like, oh yeah, absolutely, Trump's gonna win. He's got this. Uh. They both, 49 states. they both need to an uh, extreme dropout of politics. I mean, he, he, here's a couple that I picked out. Um, in 2019, he tweeted, the nominee, the presidential nominee, will be Ooh. Kamala Harris. Bernie or bust won't vote and will write in Bernie. 20% of Bernie voters will vote Trump. Trump will win in 2020. Who said this? Pim Tool. Ah, <laughs> smooth brain himself. Big, big Brainy boy. Yeah, dude, get the fuck off the internet. Trump is going to win in 2020. There's no center anymore. You're either pro-life all the way or pro-abortion all the way. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, Timmy. Okay. Um, maybe you should. And this is the biggest guy, uh, biggest uh, news guy on the internet, too. Yeah, he's one of the biggest guys on YouTube. He goes on Rogan all the time. Like, a lot of people actually think. He used to work for oh, Vice and everything. Oh, he has millions of subscribers. Yeah. 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 Why is he relevant? Because why? Yeah. No, no, well, well, no, well, he started, he came, he got some prominence during the Occupy movement because he was one of the few people who was live streaming the Occupy yes. Wall Street protests. 
Then he got some critical acclaim there, um, got some money from Vice, was done a freelance journalist from them. But, you know, was starting to do some weirder, like, Be alternative grift. things. Started getting really grifty, following down these conspiracy theory rabbit holes. Vice let him go. He did the whole, I'm being censored because I got fired for being bad at my job spiel that happens, like, every three months in this industry. Um, went independent on his own, ended up on Joe Rogan a bunch of times, convinced a bunch of meatheads that they're a bunch of aliens in the White House. And, uh, yeah, that's continues to where, like, the rise of Tim Pool is. It's a very, it's a very <laughs> typical story. It always ends up. You end up on Joe Rogan yep. and you just like start indoctrinating a lot of people. It, it's it's exhausting, but like it's the it's the how I left the left bullshit steal of like you were never really left in the first place thing. Yeah, uh, Candace selling out. Can't exactly clown uh, rave Dubin. Yeah, it, it's people like that. The, the grift is strong, and another thing that has to come out of this moment, which is why we're starting like the post election episode like this, is. We need to bully these people off the internet. We need to make it so every time they open Twitter, they cry. We need to do some of that, like, Michael Jordan, like, red face, like, Kobe's funeral shit. Like, we need these people to fundamentally feel threatened by opening Twitter. We need them to delete and want to, like, it's like that thing about Pete Buttigieg. I don't want Pete Buttigieg to just drop out of the Democratic primary. No, I need him to be an associate Walmart manager in Carmel, California. I want him completely out of politics and out of my realm of vision. That's the same thing with Tim Pool. It's going to be a lot harder to take on like Tim Pool or Charlie Kirk. But these people need to be cleaning toilets at gas stations. Like they need to be run out of oh, politics oh. entirely. No offense, because I've been oh, to an Arco gas station recently, and uh, the Jiffy was spot spotless. But that being said, you you you, you got to get the K-pop fans in. Oh, I mean, real talk, yeah. K-pop fans will, will help you out right there. Dan, that's, or Dan, that's what audio faces for. We got to, you know. Get some K-pop fans over to, to Power Report, and next thing you know, it's just going to be Tim Jewell all over yeah, the BTS place. Yeah, BTS. He's going to like cry home. It's like, oh my god, my hair. Let's do a, let's, That's I'm wearing my let's do a BTS Tim Pool debate on Power Report. We just have a Korean boy. <laughs> Caesar wants to say something. Um, I was going to say that uh, it's it, it's going to be like honestly, it's a waste of energy in trying to like get Tim Pool out of here because that dude. I only see pictures of him. Like bundled up in a sweater and beanie in his house with a headband on. I mean, headphones on. Like that dude yep. doesn't even go out in real life situations. So it's like, well, you're not even gonna find him. A lot of the people are at least out there speaking in public. This dude only show up. Uh, Joe Rogan with a beanie on and like been hidden. I'm like, where do they find this guy? What bunker is this dude hiding in? Acting like he knows about the world, but he's wrong about everything. Like on that Joe Rogan show, Joe Rogan's sitting there like, uh huh, yeah, yeah, uh huh, uh huh. The left, you know, as a left person, literally the guy's just spewing stupid crap the yeah. whole time. Joe Rogan invited Tim Pool to interview Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, as like, okay, this is going to be. My- uh, what is Tim Pool gonna do? Right. <laughs> Is he going to really get into Jack Dorsey? Dude, Jack Dorsey doing that whole interview was acting like, like, I'm looking at two scrubs. <laughs> like, like you could tell, he's like, who are these? Why are these guys acting like they're so smart? This is so lame. Like, he's sitting there, and he pulled up with two legal team people from Twitter. So he was about that life. He pulled up with that one chick and the other guy. Every time they had some cool-ass question, he went, yeah, what do you think about that? What do you know about that? <laughs> He's he, like a real CEO does. <laughs> Unlike Facebook man who was over here roboting everywhere. Like he was really pulled up with three people, <laughs> deep, three on two the whole time. Caesar, Caesar be on them Joe Rogan episodes. Okay. Yeah, because I hate them. <laughs> well, that was like an old one. That's, in, a, that's a very old episode. That was like a year ago, one. right? That was a while ago. I was maybe like two years ago. I like to that say. was a long that time. Was, ago. That, that was a long time ago. Yeah. But in order to hate, someone, hey, I'm trying to expose you have to know me. it, or else it's just ignorance. So you know, 
Yeah. See, he's doing his homework. Hey man, I'm just researching. You know, Dan Dan uh, looks up these. Uh, the, some of those people have my people look up to. I'm I'm Joe Rogan, uh, hater number one. So no, I I got the clips on deck forever. I got my research going. Charlie, um, uh, cheering when Texas went red. Woo! Oh yeah, I, we saw yeah. that. We saw that. Oh my god, is he from Texas? He just moved there, so he's like, "Oh, cool! I moved to Texas. Oh, okay. All the comedians come with me. Texas is cool." You know, I'm a Democrat, like, but you know, Gavin Newsom's being a governor. Spotify is Spotify is trying to mute me. Oh God, what? Meanwhile, <laughs> gives me like three hundred million dollars. Yeah. I, you know, if, if if Spotify muting you is getting like a hundred million dollars to fuck off to the middle of Texas to do your like like overrated. Anthony Bourdain. I mean, that's an insult to Anthony Bourdain. We're like an overrated Tonight Show in the middle of nowhere. Then Spotify, please censor Audio Face. Like, please start taking down some Audio Face <laughs> episodes. Shit. Like, shit, shit. Yeah. Again. I mean, you really should. Spotify. Especially really what they said about the 21 album. Please mute them right uh, now. Mute them ASAP. Uh, Sean and I are on record. Hey. We will take it. <laughs> I, love that. I love that album. What the hell? And how they treated Juice World. Let's go mute them ASAP. <laughs> no, <I'm not> <laughs> the XX Temptation, we were pretty hard on. Juice World was different. I can't believe that. Yeah, and <laughs> I said, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> Sees what? I'm, I'm quadrupling down on that. But, you know. uh, of course you are, Sean. <laughs> yeah. There's some hills I will die. Yeah, Yo, you're not gonna want to see the future episode of Audio Face. That's gonna be wild. Um, oh Christ! Sorry, I, I just really oh, that I gotta get on Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk has been yes, please, please, please. Weird ass white. A, a tweet from Mark from May third, twenty nineteen. Boom! Despite horrendous media coverage, Trump approval stands at fifty one percent. They tried to defame him, defeat him, displace him, overthrow him, and they tried to remove him. He won. We won. America won. We will win again in 2020. Well, guess what didn't happen? <laughs> uh, 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 like, literally, like, it's always funny to me, like, when you want to be this cool dude making these statements, like, uh, Trump's going to win, and uh, they're going to go down, and, like, what, what was the one that Dan Dan posted some guy that wrote a whole damn soliloquy about how uh, how Trump's going to win? It was beautifully, beautifully guy. worded about Dungeons and Dragons and the fire bane of the Democrats. It was, it Let was me gorgeous. read that really fast. Now you look stupid as hell, but please read it. But Biden will not win the Democrat nomination. The radical base of his party will reject and devour him. He will flame out and lose beautifully, publicly, and slowly. The socialists within their party will use identity politics to defeat him. Can't wait to see it. Yo, everybody after that should have been like, like that was a night Bye. owl exclusive right there. That was a coffee shop poem exclusive. You worked really hard on that just to look like a bumbling idiot now, but it's cool. Like, it, it, but even even going with that, it kind of even falls in line with us a little bit. Like, I think that what we're noticing the most is we don't as much reach as we've gotten having the internet, getting to know what parts of the world and what they're voting and what they're picking on. I don't think it's so hard to know what in the trenches, why people chose what they chose, you know, why people uh, chose certain propositions over the other. Why people when when example, the best example that Dan gave me, like one of my favorites is when he talked about how people chose Biden when what Bernie aligned with was actually more in favor of what they wanted to. It's just that Biden's name was attached to it. So I think we're, of course, a lot of it falls in line with education and where we're at in America, which is this uh, um but i just think that it's really hard to really get a gist of what people really are 
are going after, especially in social media era? Is, are they going after it because everybody else is doing it? Are they doing it because they have a new investment? What's going on? Or are they just like over what the hell they went through the last four years? I guess time was going to tell us. Time's going to tell. And we were going to have a podcast mm-hmm. to discuss it as time passes. Um, yeah. we, we, we can celebrate. Yes, we can celebrate now. We, we did it all. Um, Trump's gone. But the fight absolutely continues. Uh, make sure you are watching Power Report and subscribe to Power Report so you get it wherever you can check out podcasts. Check out Caesar and Bam on We Made It Podcast. Check out Sean and I on AudioFace, PowerReport.world for um, all the stuff you want on the internet. That's the website, PowerReport.world on Instagram, PowerReport, W-R-L-D on Twitter. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Lord God. <laughs>